listening to Rumination Thursday on this April the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Rumination Thursdays, uh, we check out with Wes Rhymness to see what kind of a topic that he's come up with. He's got a real good one today. How are you doing, Wes? Uh, I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, I'm starting to wake up now. <laughs> You're awoke, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's good. We're going to be talking about being woke in a minute. But this was a very interesting article that uh, you found that we need to talk about. It's by a Dr. Michael Brown, and it's entitled, The Danger of Creating a God and a Gospel in Our Own Image. We talked quite a bit about that on KFUO, the difference between natural religion, which comes up in the mind of man, and revealed religion, which only comes from God. And our point is, is that unless you have a knowledge of the revealed religion, namely of the Holy Trinity, of Jesus Christ, and his crucifixion, etc., you really don't have a view of reality that is accurate. You know, it fits into to what you've been talking about in the last few days, starting with creation. Yes. Yes. In fact, um, the first paragraph of the article is really good because it talks about creation uh, if you would want to uh, just read that, and then we can uh, explain it. The, the essence of idolatry is that we create a God in our image, confusing his nature with ours, and thereby conforming him to our standards. This, in turn, creates a vicious cycle, which we continue to degenerate spiritually and morally as we become like the lifeless idols we create. That's really well said uh, by Michael Brown, because what he is talking about is that when you create God in your own image, then that means God thinks like you do. And therefore, he has to conform to your standards, not his standards which creates a vicious cycle, and people continue to degenerate spiritually and morally. In our day, especially with so many individuals believing in evolution, there, there really is no moral grounds to evolution. The uh, animals, they do all kinds of things, and so human beings, since, well, we come from those animals, like Male lions will eat the cubs when they are trying to join another rank of lions and such, a pride of lions, and they don't want any of the cubs from a previous lion there. Now, can you imagine that's in a sense what happens with abortion, that we're mm. killing our own in order so that we can be supreme because we're having God made in our image. 
Uh, point well taken. And, and uh, this whole thing with evolution, I mean, it just moves the whole foundation off of who God is and what God has done for us. Uh, there's that program on the History Channel called Ancient Aliens. I've come to a point where I turn it off because uh, sooner or later, uh, with whatever theory that they come back to, they they go back to evolution that yeah. uh, some, some alien come by and and made us who, who we are, and it just re just takes away from all of this creation and uh, this idol thing that uh, our writer is talking about. Well, I like watching alien movies for entertainment, but they have no possibility of being correct. I mean, there's actually, I've heard Christians say, well, with the millions of other planets out there, you don't think there are some other beings there and we got to be listening to hear them communicate with us. Well, the answer is no. Adam and Eve were the personal persons that God created, and they're the ones that fell into sin. I believe there can be life on other planets like microbes or viruses or things like that, but not human, not beings that have sense that would have a relationship with God. So, and and they come about because they were part of creation. They weren't evolved. They were just there when that planet was created millions of years ago in their view. But, of course, it wasn't. It was created just thousands of years ago. Right, right. But uh, it really comes back to this whole idea of created, who who's created us, and... Uh, or have we made him part of our creation? We've also discussed that between natural religion and, and God-given religion, or right. man-made religion. We make God in our image, and uh, our, to our way of thinking, which this article gets into. Now, one of the things he does, and I want to quote this. I hadn't realized how good this psalm is. It's Psalm 115. And this is God speaking. As expressed in the Psalms, why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel, feet, but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. That's Psalm 115, verses 2 to 8. Boy, you can't find a better passage in Scripture uh, against natural idolatry. No, that was uh, that was really good. It kind of reminds me in the Old Testament when God said He would let He would uh, uh, 
cause a, a drought in all of Israel because they were thinking that uh, the rain came from the, the idols. And so he said, okay, we'll let them pray to the idols and see if, if it, it will rain. And then they went into a drought until they came back to the true God. Well, how would you like to be one of the priests of uh, Baal? What happened to him? <laughs> the 450 prophets of Baal that tried to yeah. uh, take Elijah on. And yeah, Elijah, they, they made a bet. Whose altar is yeah. going to go on fire? And um, now I'll tell you what I was told by a seminary professor, and these were the days when they didn't believe the Bible, and they're gone from the seminary now. But they said, you know, when Elijah's altar went up in flames, it says that he had even poured water on it in order to make it even more miraculous. And I was told by the professor that there's a possibility he really had poured kerosene on it. (laughs) Kerosene hadn't been invented at that time. Well, they they had, remember, Paul was preaching in an upper room, and the young man fell out of the uh, window because he fell asleep because of the smoke from the right. lanterns. So they had some way of having uh, well, light. Yeah. And so whatever they used to do that, that's what this professor thought. That's how you could explain it. They were always trying to explain miracles. Like when Jesus fed the 5,000, we were told that while everybody was coming to hear Jesus, they knew they'd be a while, so they brought their lunch, and they had it under their robes, just keeping it you know, ready. And when that little boy gave his small amount, they all felt, well, let's us help also. And that's how 5,000 people were fed, that people took their lunches out from you know, within their clothing and uh, shared it with others. Well, that fits with this this article that we're looking at. I mean, the, the very next paragraph Brown brings up, we do the very same thing with the gospel, lowering it to our standards, thereby creating a new, non-offensive, non-troublesome Jesus who bears little resemblance to the Jesus of the Scriptures. Yeah, I really agree that many people in this country cannot understand that Jesus would ever say to them, get thee behind me, Satan. That's just not their view of Jesus. No. Even though he said that to Peter. Or or, or the the Baptist who called uh, the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Yes, and Jesus said to the Pharisees, well, your real father is the devil. It's not God. Yeah, that's just, uh, he never took that uh, course in Norman Vincent Peale, how to influence people and make friends. Yes. Yeah, poor Jesus, he should have taken the course, you know, because he was not very good at uh, becoming friends with those who were his enemies. But that's not what his purpose was. He was their sure. friend. They just didn't realize it. Right. Well, he, as we know, he came to redeem the world, not to uh, 
fight social injustice. This whole thing of fighting social injustice in the woke program. Uh, takes well, let's get to that thing. for a minute because he is quoting also um, a lady, Natasha Crane. And progressive Christians, which I refer to as liberal Christians, they have all these liberal point of views. They ultimately, she says, has the same have the same source of authority as secular culture, which is the self. The way they see the world often dovetails with the way those who consider themselves irreligious see the world. The progressive Christians may have an added appreciation or love for Jesus relative to their secular counterparts who dismiss him entirely. But that doesn't necessarily play out in significant worldview differences. When the self is in charge, Jesus can start looking an awful lot like what modern culture thinks he should look like. And that leads to what you were just saying. Uh, maybe you can explain this next sentence. Today, Jesus is a woke Jesus, W-O-K-E. And today's gospel is a woke gospel. What is he talking about? Well, first of all, what is woke? Uh, I took a look at uh, the dictionary. It was added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2017. The, the whole woke thing came up in the, in the early 2010s. And it, it is a person that's typically considered to be sensitive to and aware of social or racial discrimination or injustice. And it's mitigated or it's kind of found its way into Christianity in the new version that Jesus didn't come to redeem sinners as much as to fight social injustice. That's an excellent summary of woke theology. And I'll tell you, 28 years I was pastor of a congregation where the majority of people who were joining uh, were blacks because we were in a kind of an inner city situation. And so through adult instruction, they would join the church. And on my 25th anniversary there, they had a little party for us, the, the family. And the president of the congregation was a black man who also was principal of one of the big public schools in St. Louis. He was excellent. He was very conservative, Bible-believing Lutheran. And I'll never forget what he said. The reason we like Pastor Baker is because he is colorblind. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what Jesus was, wasn't it? He was colorblind. Well, more than that, he was race-blind, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was well. no distinction. Like, for example, when uh, I, I would be talking to a black person, I didn't talk differently than when I talked to a white person. They all needed the same message, which I'm going to talk about more tomorrow with uh, creation, redemption, salvation, and the shuns uh, I've been talking about. But that's the message they need to hear. 
And this idea that we have to somehow change the way we approach, whether it's a city area or a rural area. I've been interim pastor now at about eight congregations, rural, city, inner city, etc. And I can do the same sermon at each place. I don't make a distinction between people uh, because of their race or color. Or, or The only way that that would be different is if they spoke a language. Like when I uh, preached at the seminary in Fort Wayne, they had people there who were deaf and they were doing sign language. Now, obviously I couldn't do that. So I gave my sermon to those who were doing the signs so they knew how to sign for these people. Or you'll have churches where you have uh, a number of Hispanics. And so you may want to have a worship service in Spanish since many of them don't understand English yet. So language, yes, but anything else, I, I don't see any need to make differences. Well, we sing it in the liturgy, communion liturgy, don't we? With Simeon's song, the Nuctimentus, a light to lighten the Gentiles. It, yes. It, it is all-encompassing. Yes. See, when you're dealing with woke theology, they're not really interested in universal sin. They're rather interested in the dominant power structures in society. And you, you keep hearing the idea that some people are more fortunate uh, because of the color of their skin. This is ridiculous. If you've been a pastor of a church, there isn't anybody in the church who doesn't have failures, doesn't have problems, uh, isn't becoming a victim in some area. And so all of us are in the same boat. And to uh, talk about uh, the superiority of, of whites uh, than blacks, that's ridiculous. Nobody is superior right. to anyone else. Well, I got another one for you. When it comes to the LGBTQ issues, because Jesus came to affirm the outcasts and the marginalized, does that mean that he endorses same-sex marriages and encourages transgender identity? Yes. In fact, those people who believe that, they don't believe that homosexuals need to repent because they say it is the religious leaders who need to repent for calling homosexual practice a sin. And so there's a perfect example where power takes over the gospel and thinking, therefore, that uh, people who are gay are victims, then the church really needs to reverse itself so they no longer remain victims. But that yeah. is their own choosing. It's not the church's choosing. It's their own choosing because they made God in their own image rather than the image he really has. Well, we read the Bible through the, the lens of self rather than denying self and taking up the cross, thereby uh, finding a new re, uh, identity in the Lord. That uh, if we don't, if, if we move off of the, those man made religions that we have with the new woke 
gospel and move over to the, to what the word itself says that we are recreated in Christ Jesus as new beings through through his uh, death and resurrection yes in, in, in other words Jesus of the gospels does not really fit any of our earthly or religious categories instead both his words and his example shatter our conventions and challenge our traditions. And if you want to understand that, just take a look at the reaction of the disciples to what Jesus often did, often said, and nobody was expecting his crucifixion after Palm Sunday. But that's because Jesus doesn't think like we do in our sinful self, as you said. Right. Well, in, in this Easter tradition, we, we often talk about uh, Philip and and uh, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. We would we would definitely say probably that the, the Ethiopian was 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 of a, a, a biracial or a racial uh, descent, but uh, Philip was was colorblind to it and. Explain the scriptures and baptize them. Yeah, all you have to do is read through the book of Acts and listen to the sermons. Now, it doesn't mean you don't pick up on, say, a cultural thing like when Paul talked about, well, you have a, a God that you call the unknown God, and that was to take care of all the other things that you don't have a God for. You know, like you had a God of the water, a God of the agriculture, a God of the clouds, and this sort of thing. But the unknown God is therefore really Jesus. And then he went and explained about Jesus uh, to these people who had an unknown God. And it says that, well, the Christians just multiplied. Uh, many priests came to believe in Christianity and thousands and thousands of people just by hearing the message that Jesus is speaking through the apostles and prophets. Okay. This kind of uh, begs the question a little bit. Does that mean that we don't fight social injustice or we don't fight racism? Racism, where you look down on a person uh, because of the color of their skin, is a sin. And so you definitely can speak against it but you don't use it to become the mission of the church. For for example, we do a lot of things in the church that isn't part of the preaching of the gospel. For example, at our congregation, and I know yours also, we would have clothing, clothing drives where people would bring in clothing, and then we would have a Saturday where folks could come in, and guess what? They could buy clothing, and some of them, Full bags, uh, they would fill up, and we only charged a dollar for the whole bag, whatever they could fill up. Or we also used our church because it was handicapped accessible for elections. And uh, therefore, for a presidential election, they would walk into the church. And I really liked that because they would go by the kitchen door going into the main area. And I would stand at the kitchen door and sell hot dogs to anybody who wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I was going to mention food pantries. That's that's another thing that that uh, churches often have drives for, regardless of race, color, or creed, to, to feed the the neighborhood. Yes, but th- this idea that some folks, some races, are superior to others, that just doesn't wash. And I think the point you were making is the message is the same regardless of the situation of the people. There's nothing different we do need to do with the message if it's a rural area, if it's a cosmopolitan area, if it's a small village. Um, when our missionaries go overseas, they do get some training in customs so they don't unnecessarily offend individuals. Like I was told when you go to Saudi Arabia as a missionary, make sure you don't rush anywhere, don't run anywhere, because when people see that, they think you're not in charge of your life and they're not going to listen to you. So there are customs that we need to be aware of, but when it comes to the message, none of that has changed. You can say what Peter said at Pentecost, and it doesn't matter who your audience is. So this woke theology, which is trying to get us to think how important social ministry is, is really not part of the Christian message. Well said, and it's just important to to remember that uh, our message is about Jesus Christ. Invite a friend to church, support our missions, you know, reach out with the good news of Jesus. Exactly. And we're on the radio. How do we know who's listening to us? Are we going to change our message? No. We, we have the same message, whether it's the elderly, whether it's a millennial, etc. So this article is really good in showing that a lot of liberals are making God in their image rather than understanding that his image is totally different than ours. Okay, thank you very much. And we're going to be taking a look tomorrow at what I like talking about with shuns. Express that a little bit more. And it may be an email or two. If you send it to Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. So, thanks so very much. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.